0: A reading from the book of Acts. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were, as astonished, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized In the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The word of the Lord.
1: Greetings, One Fellowship family and friends. Pastor Paul here, and I am so excited to share with you today from God's word. So I invite you to pull up a chair and let's bow our heads as I begin with a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of my message today is Breaking Out Part 2, and we will be closing out our study of Acts chapter 10 today. And I'd like to begin with this question. Have you ever seen someone go to great lengths to win your praise? In an effort to both impress and intimidate, heavyweight boxing champion Deontay Wilder shocked viewers on February 22nd, 2020, when he walked to the ring of the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas wearing an elaborate costume for the WBC Heavyweight Championship. Now, look, if you missed it, no worries. I have a picture of Mr. Wilder in his custom-made costume right here. Molly, can you see it? Carly, can you see it? It is over the top. As described by Cam Wolf in GQ, Wilder wore an elaborate night costume replete with a bedazzled mask with eyes that glowed like embers and a spiky crown and skulls protruding from his shoulders and belt it was probably enough to make Game of Thrones producers wonder if they should reboot the show, or at least if Wilder had raided their archives. But while it made a real impression before his match, the outfit took a real toll, according to Wilder. Quote, I paid a severe price because my legs were how they were because of my uniform. Wilder told ESPN, my uniform was too heavy. It was 40 plus pounds. We had it on 10 or 15 minutes before we even walked out and then put the helmet on. That was extra weight, then the ring walk, then going up the stairs. It was like a real workout for my legs. And when I took it off, I knew immediately that the game had changed. And sure enough, in what some described as a humiliating defeat, Wilder suffered his first loss in an utterly one-sided fight. And friends, this brings me to our big idea, our big takeaway from our passage today, which is this. Though many want your affection, there's only one worthy of your praise. And his name is Jesus. Though many want your affection, there's only one worthy of your praise. And his name is Jesus. So let's unpack this truth over the next few minutes. Point number one, open your eyes. Kids, can you do this? Open your eyes and see God's plan. Our passage begins. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising, raising any objection. For those who were not with us last week, allow me to provide a brief recap of our story thus far. Earlier in Acts chapter 10, there were two divine encounters. First, Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman officer, a Roman centurion overseeing over a 100 Roman soldiers in the greatest empire of the day. And yet he was a god fearer. He'd come to believe in Yahweh, the God of the Jews. The only problem is he was not born Jewish. Jewish. He was a Gentile, an outsider, and thus was not accepted by the Jewish people. Nonetheless, God heard Cornelius' prayers and sent an angel and said to Cornelius that he should go and retrieve Simon Peter from Joppa. Right around the same time, there's a second divine encounter with whom? Simon Peter. He is on a roof in Joppa praying, and three times he sees a vision from God that challenges his worldview. And that vision illustrates that Gentiles, outsiders, deemed dogs by most Jews of the day, yes, they too could be recipients of God's grace through Jesus. And that leads us to our passage today, which is extraordinary. Why? Because we see Peter, who is a Jew, who should never enter the house of a Gentile step over that cultural barrier in obedience to God. Similarly, we see Cornelius, who should never submit to a Jew because he's a Roman officer, submit in reverence to Peter and do something that is nationally unthinkable as a Roman citizen or Roman soldier. And yet both men Through listening to God, they were having their eyes opened to God's eternal plan. In fact, they were right there in the middle of it, right in the middle of a global, cosmic story of redemption. And so are we. In Acts chapter 1, we read these words You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you Will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in the pages of Revelation, we read God's macro plan for restoring humanity through the love and lordship of Jesus in these words After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude. And reflecting back on our passage, just like Peter and Cornelius, we are invited to open our eyes to see God's plan, his really, really big plan to bring together a new community, a new family from every nation, tribe, people, and language under the love and lordship of Jesus. You see, as Peter and Cornelius interact, the walls of racism come crumbling down. As Peter and Cornelius interact, the walls of nationalism come crumbling down. As Peter and Cornelius interact, the walls of classism come crumbling down. And in pours the love of Jesus. I love how the message translates Peter's response later in our passage to Cornelius. Quote, Peter Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. He makes no difference, excuse me, it makes no difference who you are or where you are from if you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere, among every one. Friends, we are being invited to open our eyes and see God's plan. And I believe even in this moment, God wants the walls of racism, nationalism, classism, the walls of hostility that divide humanity. He wants those walls to come crumbling down in the name of Jesus and the love of Jesus to come pouring in. And that leads me to point number two, open your heart and receive God's peace. The passage continues. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, and then later. He is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now at this point, I'd like to share a fun or a funny story about my bride, Carly. One of the things I love most about Carly is her humility. If you did not know it, you would think Carly comes from a a family of great means. But in reality, Carly comes from a family that often struggled to make ends meet uh, when she was younger. And Carly herself, when she was growing up, she also struggled in her own way, like all of us. Take, for instance, the car Carly had to drive at a certain point during her college years. Wait for it. Are you guys ready? There it is. Can you see it, kids? Yes, a vintage Grand marquee. You see, Carly couldn't afford her own vehicle. And one of her roommates owned this car, but lived in California. So she invite, invited Carly to take the car home to Minnesota for a summer. And Carly tells me the story of one night when after she had uh, watched a movie with friends and was heading home for her curfew, she's driving, she has the music turned up, she's singing her heart out, all of a sudden, she hears this. And she looks behind her, and sure enough, there are the flashing lights of a police car. And she gets pulled over. The officer instructs Carly to roll down her window. And then he asks, Miss, how much have you had to drink tonight? Carly, shocked, says, Officer, I- I've been at a friend's house watching a movie. We we're having fun. I'm back from Wheaton College. I don't even drink, yada, 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 yada. And the officer's just stunned. And with a bewildered look, he, he says, well, help me understand why this vehicle you're, you were driving was swerving all over the road. And, and Carly said, well, I guess I was just lost in myself lost in my my music, in my own world. And convinced that she was just a typical college student, um, the officer uh, let Carly go. Now, he did follow her for several miles after the stop, and she was able to stay in her lane. But I just love this story. Why? Because the Bible says we all struggle to stay in our lane. The Bible says we all at times go our own way. The Bible says we all at times are lost. And if that goes unchecked, not only will we hurt ourselves, we'll hurt others. And this is what the Bible is talking about when it says we are sinners. And if we go our own way, it will lead to utter destruction and distancing from God and one another. The good news is, Friends, we don't have to be perfect. We just need to be honest with God and one another and admit our need for help. Admit that we do, like Carly with that big vehicle, we stray out of our lanes. Admit sometimes we do need to be checked. Admit we need God's peace and forgiveness, overriding, interceding on our behalf, invading our life. I love how Ann Voskamp puts it. You are the most loved, not when you're pretending to have it all together. You are actually the most loved when you feel broken and falling apart. Let me repeat that. You are the most loved, not when you're pretending to have it all together. You are actually the most loved when you feel broken and are falling apart. That's both an admission and an invitation. Can you relate to that quote maybe right now in your life, in our lives? And in the words of Lecrae, the rapper, the entrepreneur, the actor, I'm not a Christian because I'm strong and have it all together. I'm a Christian because I'm weak and admit I need a savior. Just like Cornelius, you and I are invited to open our hearts right now and uh, cry out for God's forgiveness and his peace, especially in this moment. We read that Jesus is Lord of all in our passage. And this is good news because it means there's not one area in our lives that he cannot touch and over which he is not sovereign. Moreover, we read that everyone, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And this is really good news as well because it means no one is excluded from this invitation, no matter who you are or where you come from. You see, we're invited to open our hearts and receive God's peace, which leads me to point three. Friends, open your life and embrace God's purpose. Our passage concludes While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit Just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Friends, this story ends with an amazing turn of events. The Spirit of God being poured out on Cornelius, his family, his friends, and all who are hearing the message of Jesus, the gospel that changes everything. They are then being, they, excuse me, they are then invited to be baptized into God's family, which also means they are being welcomed into the church. For the sake of time, I cannot share all of the Old Testament prophecies that point to this moment, but I'd like to share two. In Psalm 22, we read, I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him, for royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. And we read in Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. You see, just like Peter, we are living in a moment with circumstances outside of our control. And yet Jesus sits on the throne and invites us to see and love the people right in front of us, in all around us. Jesus himself prayed, just as you sent me into the world, Father, I am sending them into the world, Father. And as we know elsewhere in Scripture, the followers of Jesus don't go to church. We are the church. We are the living embodiment of Jesus to the world around us. Let me repeat that. The followers of Jesus don't go to church. We are the church. We are the living embodiment of Jesus to the world around us, even right now. Friends, we are being invited to open our lives and embrace God's purpose In this unique moment in history, let's not allow our circumstances to dictate our faith. Instead, let's allow our faith to shape and saturate our circumstances. Right now, we have the unique opportunity to invite people, for instance, across the globe to worship with us online. Have you you considered how radical that is? Never before in history has the church had that opportunity. But we, in all the churches around the world, have the opportunity to worship together and invite neighbors. Neighbors, people from your neighborhood. Invite colleagues, invite family. And on and on it goes to worship together. Just last week, this finally clicked with someone who shared with me that they shared our worship service online with their adult cousins with whom they have not spoken to in over eight years. Eight years! But now, through this unique moment, they're able to worship with their adult cousins. Friends, kids, students, adults, who can you invite to worship with us today? Who can you invite to worship with us next week? What if you hosted, what if you dared to host a watch party on Facebook invited and invited friends to join you? Who might come? Moreover, I'm certain that just like Peter, our church is going to have an incredible opportunity to live out our faith, to share our faith in the days ahead with our neighbors in our city and our world. Are you willing to open your life wide open and embrace God's purpose for you and for our church? If you are, say amen. Friends, though many want your affection, there's only one worthy of your praise, and his name is Jesus. If this message is calling you to a fresh place of surrender or action as you are able, I invite you to get down on one or both of your knees right now and repeat this prayer after me. Go ahead. Some of you feel led to do this. I invite you to get down on one or both of your knees and repeat this prayer after me. Let us pray. Lord, open my eyes that I would see your plan. A plan to bring together a new community from every nation, tribe, people, and language through the love and lordship of Jesus. Lord, open my heart that I would receive your peace, a peace that covers all of my sins, and trust you in every area of my life. And Lord, open my life that I would embrace your purpose, a purpose of drawing strangers friends, and neighbors back into a life-giving relationship with you. For your praise and glory, in Jesus' name, amen.